0: Today on the Zabecast, file this under Oh, that is Rich. Maurice Claret now thinks Ohio State is to blame for pushing him through school. Hmm. Drew Olsen is our guest. We'll talk Brewer's playoff push, NFL preseason, and the Cubs network. All that plus Bob and accounting finally got his ring. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Wednesday, August 29th, 2018. Thank you for downloading. Let's get started. Maurice Claret recently tweeted out how he believes that Ohio State was guilty of, quote, pushing him through college. Apparently, there's an Ohio school district as well in high school that is lowering the playing requirement to a mere 1.0 GPA to play football. He calls it a slap in the face to athletes and then referenced how he was quote-unquote pushed through Ohio State because of football and how it hurt him and other black athletes. Really? All right then, Maurice Claret. I seem to recall his tenure at Ohio State differently in terms of was he really there to go to school or not. Let's go through the timeline. This is from the Associated Press. Timeline, the rise and fall of Maurice Claret. October 2002, misses two games with an injured left shoulder. Says he's received dozens of pieces of hate mail from Ohio State fans since an ESPN the Magazine article earlier the month earlier in the month quoted him saying he thought about leaving college early for the NFL. Okay. Are they pushing you through, or, or are you already looking to leave and turn pro july of 2003 new york times quotes an assistant teacher a teaching assistant at ohio state who says claret got preferential treatment says he walked out of a midterm exam but passed the class after the professor gave him an oral exam instead now is that them pushing maurice claret through July of 2003, Ohio State confirms the NCAA is investigating Claret's claim that more than $10,000 in clothing, CDs, cash, and stereo equipment was stolen from a 2001 Monte Carlo that Claret had borrowed from a local dealership. He was later charged with misdemeanor falsification for the police report on the theft. The charge carried a penalty ranging from probation to six months in jail. Uh, Ended up pleading to a lesser count. Athletic Director Andy Geiger in September announced Claret is suspended for the year because he received special benefits worth thousands of dollars and repeatedly misled investigators. Again, he's saying they should have made him study chemistry more or been harder on him in calculus. That's the problem. April of 2005, chosen third round of the NFL draft by the Denver Broncos. This after he sued to try to go early and try to get into the NFL uh, after uh, you know uh, his junior uh, sophomore year. Uh, the Supreme Court declined to hear Claret's appeal uh, after the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled against Claret. It meant he would not be eligible for the supplemental draft, would have to wait until the 2005 draft to enter the league. He finally was, taken in the third round of the draft by the Broncos. While he was with the Broncos... Um, He reportedly was drinking vodka out of a water bottle pretty much the entire time he was in training camp. He was a complete washout and a total bust at the NFL level. But again, blame Ohio State and other schools for pushing him and other athletes through. January of 2006, accused of robbing two people at gunpoint in an alley behind a Columbus bar. Wanted by police on two counts of aggravated robbery. I wonder if that was a class that Maurice Claret could have been encouraged to take and pay attention to. Do not rob people at gunpoint 101. August 9th of that year, 06. Arrested after a highway chase that police say started when he refused to pull over after a traffic violation. Police said they used pepper spray on him and found three handguns and an AK-47 in the car he was driving. In September, he pled guilty to aggravated robbery and carrying a concealed weapon. The deal would send him to prison for three and a half years and end two criminal cases against him. I guess what I'm saying is uh, Maurice Claret is a bag of shit. I mean, who is he to say, Hey man, these big factories are pushing kids through. It's a slap in the face. It's funny because if you were to raise standards for kids to play football either in high school or in college, the cry would be, you're denying kids from from disadvantaged backgrounds a chance to do something meaningful in life. Hell, if you make them go to class at all, people say they shouldn't have to go to class. They're basically pro-athletes at the college level. Let's pay them and say if you want to take anthropology, then go right ahead. You can't have it both ways. Cardell Jones, fellow Ohio State Buckeye, famously said, we ain't here to play school. And that quote is still one of the all-timers. Look, I get it on a certain level of what Maurice Claret is trying to say, that yes, there should be some bar in which you are pushing kids, even from disadvantaged backgrounds, to achieve enough. To get them in the habit of, yes, you can do the work. Yes, you can learn. You're capable of it. And And the carrot that is at the end of it is to be able to play football. But it's not necessarily that easy. And there are two sides of it. And you know if they were to raise standards, people would bitch the other way around. I guess my point is, I don't want to hear Maurice Claret lecturing about academic standards. And how he was, the poor guy was pushed through Ohio State, there's a level of personal responsibility where even if a teacher says that's okay, Mo, we're going to help you out on this one, that you have to say no. I I, I don't need the help. I don't want the help. I want to earn this grade on my own. He took all that, and it was more than just the academic standards were too low or that they overlooked some failing grades. Look at that history of stuff. He was a bad guy. Now, maybe he's redeemed his life, but for the most part, not a guy you really want to hear from. But whatever. All right, time to talk to Drew Olsen, our friend from Milwaukee. All right, Drew Olsen is with us from the big 920 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the Brewers, Drew, are right in the thick of it. What is pennant fever like up there? Because... Our pennant fever broke down here in D.C., and it's pretty much all over.
1: This isn't – you know the bandwagon effect? This is – what's the reverse bandwagon effect? The jumping off the bandwagon effect? That Every you, time the Brewers lose a game, people are like, oh, that's it. They're fucked. They're not winning. This is it. <laughs> it's over. I wasted the whole summer following this shit, and now they're just not going to make it. Really? You find it's, it's that? It's unreal. That's yeah, oh, the, yeah. it, that's
0: disappointing, isn't it? It is.
1: It's the. I think it's now become like the default fan impulses. I want to be the first on my
0: block to declare the season over and my team sucks. Oh, that guy. The it's over guy. Yes. I hate the it's over guy. He wants to be the first to say it's over so that if it does end up being over, he can then puff his chest out like I told you that. Yes. I told you that months and, ago. It's over. And also, it's people just they
2: don't
1: they're afraid of having their hearts broken. All anybody cares about is winning a championship. The playoffs, making the playoffs isn't good enough anymore, even though the right. Brewers have been rare visitors to the playoffs and they're you know,
0: 50 years of All history. Right. So what is it the Brewers have got to get a hold of down the stretch here to secure that wild card?
1: Get their arms around it. Well, the road to the playoffs for them goes through Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, basically. That's the preponderance of their schedule. They have 30 games left, and I think they have to win. If they could win 17, that'd be nice. Okay. So 17 out of 30. How hard is yeah, that? Barely not, 500 that, that's, baseball. That's the play, the pace they've been at most of the year. You know, okay. and that 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 would get them in the wild card. I think the division ship has sailed. And right. You, but when you play that one game, and now that that opens up another can of worms. People who hate the the idea of the one game playoff. game. Play where do you season. stand on that? I, I I've never had to cover the team in it, and I understand, like especially if you're a team that hasn't made the playoffs in forever, to have one done is like getting the rug pulled out from under you. But it's kind of cool to start the playoffs with a game seven. It's kind of cool to have a right. It's an, that intrigue.
0: It's an insta game seven, and it is a p- penalty for not winning your division. Yes, and you. But the, that's the thing about baseball: is rest is not
1: good. It's not an advantage to be to take a week off. It's a disadvantage. So rust is more of a damage than rest Absolutely. is an advantage. Okay. Someone just hit me up though and told me that they're doing it right in Korea. How so? In Korea, they have. Okay, so the, the in essence, they would have like our two wild card teams, right? Yeah, and they would have them play a best of three
0: series. Except yeah. the
1: team with the better record starts with a one zero record. Like uh, it, it, you assume that they won
0: the first game. So it's game. best of three, but you so, start one nil.
1: But you start one 0 and that team would then host if, if if two games are so basically you're giving them an, an extra game. If two games are necessary, the team with the better record has hosts them both, and they play on back to back days. So that way there's the chance so the team that was behind has to win two games whereas the team that you know has the slightly better record in the wild card has to win one and that's kind of that that eliminates the one and done for you know the the possibility of a one and done for at least one of the teams. How
0: about this best of 3? triple header one day wild card series (laughs) (laughs) start at nine in the morning and just play all three games how great would that baby
1: could you imagine yeah so it's it's a flawed system i understand people i understand why people but
0: i i think when you're watching it it, works when i first it man when i first heard it i said this is the dumbest thing ever and then i understood the logic of it was hey you can't just coast and and say we're going to be in because we're a wild card so we're not going to try to win the division you know, the Yankees, if they can win their wild-card game, and we assume they're going to be a wild-card, right? There are yeah. a lot of games ahead. The, they don't know. They, they could lose that one game. The bats could go cold, and that wipes out the season. But people say if they win their wild-card game, look out for the Yankees. Oh, because absolutely. they hit the shit out of the ball. They're going to set the record for most home runs in a season. Yeah, and I don't think... I
1: don't think that hamstrings you to where you can't go on and win the World Series just because you played that one game. In fact, you get the momentum going into the next series. You got your jitters out of the way. You've got your Game 7 under your belt. Shit.
0: The rest is easy. I'm going to multipurpose some topics here, so apologies if you've already heard this on the Bob and Brian Show, but I gave him the story about how Pat Neshek plucked number 93 off the shelf for the Phillies, which now leaves only four jersey numbers, Drew, in baseball history that have never been issued, according to BaseballReference.com. Where do you stand on the four numbers that have never been worn in MLB history? Do you like this kind of stuff or are you like, Jesus, you nerds, get a light? I'm uh I'm
1: agnostic
0: on uniform numbers. That's the one thing I don't pay a lot of attention to that or walk-up songs. Can you can you name Famous, like how good are you at saying just like, okay, this player, what number? This player, what number? That oh, player, I, what number? It depends on the era. Like Robin current players are not great,
1: obviously. Robin out 19. Okay. I, four, number four is iconic in Wisconsin because it was Paul Molitor, Sidney Moncrief, and Brett Favre. Okay. So that is the number in Wisconsin. So you're, a bit, you're a bit of a numerologist.
0: A bit of a passing interest, yeah. Is, do, you have, do you believe that some baseball numbers look stupid? Yeah, pitchers with single digits look kind of dumb. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But there, there's no restrictions in baseball. Kind of like a, a, a edge rusher with single digits in college football looks weird to me too. Sometimes. That does look weird. How do you feel about kickers in college football with nineties for numbers?
1: Um, eh, they're usually a little scrawny, little imps. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs>
0: I think that looks so stupid. It bulks Here them comes up the a kicker. Bit. Ninety-eight was like, it, it bolts them
1: up a little bit. Uh, the Brewers <laughs> used to have their bat boys wear ninety-nine. Okay, that was the, the the number for the Bat Boy was ninety
0: nine. What would be your number? Um, what is your, what is your number? what What number did you I, wear in I high generally school? Generally, go well in high school. I was like thirty for basketball and stuff, okay. but I was I was
1: uh, I generally go nine because I was born on the ninth. Okay, I think nine's a good number. I think so, and then ninety nine would be Gretzky if you want to go two. But right. I, I like number nine
0: is probably my number. I think one day during the depths of summer, I did a topic of rank sports numbers. And we did like top 10 oh sports numbers 32 all, 23 all sports yeah and it, it was all sports I think 23 was considered the number one number the goat yeah yeah the goat of numbers so here's and then the 99 four, here's the four numbers not yet used in MLB history 80 86 89 and 92 question if you get called up can you request the number from your team or do they just say no you're not getting that Here's your number, it, kid. It depends. Like, some guys, you
1: get, when you go to spring training, your first big league camp, you're low on the totem pole, you get what they give you, and it could be in the 80s. And some guys are like, well, I'm keeping that. You know, that's my okay. number. It reminds me of my roots, you know? Okay. Uh, when you get called up, you can, like, make the request. Obviously, if it's already been given out, you can't you can't grab it when you're first called. Like, if you're a September call-up and you ask
0: for 86, they'd probably, like, go, what the hell? Yeah. They might, they might give it to you. Yeah. Uh, Clinton Portis was bent out of shape because when the Redskins signed Adrian Peterson, which to what will probably be an eight-week contract when it's all said and done, uh, they gave him number 26, Clinton's number. And I think Clinton has been about that because not only is, the second, is he the second leading rusher in Redskins franchise history, he almost caught John Riggins, the iconic number 44 for all-time rushing in skins, burgundy, and gold. But when he came to the Redskins, Clinton Portis, he had to buy the number, off of reserve DB Ifiani Oalete for like thirty grand, and then he stiffed Oalete on the payment, and Oalete took him to court, and he won the court case. <laughs> <Good God. laughs> and, and now here's Clinton retired, and they hand out twenty six to Clinton, to uh, Adrian Peterson. He he couldn't get twenty eight because twenty eight belongs to the great Daryl Green, and that has been unofficially retired by the Redskins. I say unofficially because. NFL teams don't like to retire numbers because there's such narrow slots that players have to fit into, and the rosters are so big. Yeah, yeah. the, uh, the,
1: the Green Bay Packers, the team of interest in my
0: area, Yes. very stingy when it comes to retiring numbers. Yes. Why do you got to say it that way? It's sort of making me feel bad. Like The team of interest it, in my area. Yeah, when you say it like that, you're like, no so, one gives a shit about the Redskins, Abe. Shut the fuck you up. Have a, I'm your guest today, you and have, you need to talk about <laughs> Packer and Milwaukee shit up here. I'm right. Just well, uh we talk brewers. We're national though. We're national. We're bad, we're nationwide. I know. Okay. Uh this also on the baseball front. The Cubs drew may break away from NBC Sports Chicago to form their own network. Do you think this is a potential game changer and are there only a few franchises that could actually pull this off? I'm stunned it hasn't happened in other
1: places i guess it just speaks to i don't know laziness it's you can't say lack of greed or ambition because teams are as greedy they want to suck every dollar they can okay but a lot of teams have taken their advertising and stuff in-house and i guess it makes sense for the cubs it would have to be big teams like the yankees had the yes network forever
0: and they still do and the red sox have nesson but are the but are the cubs the yankees um, are the Cubs equal to? Are the Cubs greater than the Yankees as a brand? Not maybe, so. maybe. I, I don't know. think I mean, so. I think the Yankees are. Yankees are the number one branded baseball.
1: With, with with more and more cord cutting though, and these RSNs going the way they are, and being for sale. Yeah, these regional sports networks. Uh, this is something that I think teams would explore. On a, what do right, they do so, from November through to April? That's the question. Break down bullpen, where, middle relief. And that's where it would—you'd ha- need the
0: consortium if they got into bed with the Bulls or Blackhawks. Yeah, that's where—that's the way it would work. Something to keep an eye on. Hey, uh, did you see the first snowfall's been uh, forecast for Wyoming? And it uh, got me to thinking, Drew. At what point do you guys up there start to dread the approach of winter? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. So you're good until Thanksgiving. Yep. And then once Thanksgiving hits, you're like, and then any time you can wake up and have to fire up the snowblower, yeah, <laughs> you're like buckle in for the suck. Yep, right. Uh, baseball topic how do you f- how do you feel about the Astros' new blue steel celebration after home runs, where uh, the guys in the dugout uh, they kind of do a quick catwalk and then pause and turn and shoot a blue steel look a la Zoolander. <laughs> One of the great cheesy movies of all time. I assume you've seen Zulu Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about Bregman and the boys doing the Blue Steel one? They're channeling their inner uh, Little League kids.
1: They're having fun. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. Baseball should be fun. The Brewers have this conga line. They, they have this conga line of uh, kind of jumping forearm bashes, you know. Okay. The gauntlet, they called it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to each their own. And for anybody to get pissy about that kind of stuff that other teams are doing – that just uh,
0: come on, get okay. over yourself. We need more fun. All right. You were going to make Tom Brady your fuck that guy. But I told you before the show went on, I said, you can't because I made him my FTG yesterday. <laughs> but I'm sure you got some thoughts as to Tom Brady's harumphy hang up of a paid radio spot in which there was, I thought, some legitimate questions right. asked about, hey, it looks like your trainers allowed back on the sideline. Tell me more. Yeah, at least nobody called his daughter a, a piss ant. Oh my god. Did that guy still get fired? is he still he's fired? He's back.
1: He just got back. I think he was uh nine months in witness protection and he's back now.
0: Can you imagine that? I mean, this this is annoying a annoying little piss ant. Yeah, this is a great reminder to me as a broadcaster, and it should be for everyone in our business. Everything passes. the water, the the, the, the river of outrage moves so quickly. So the last thing you want to do is to do something that in the moment of the peak of outrageousness causes you to lose money or possibly a job, just don't fucking go there because it'll be gone so fast and then you'll be sitting there. He's been sitting there for months and months and months and months and months and months months going... Nobody's talking about that one little comment anymore. And I had to sit out nine months or I got fired yeah, for six that? Six months or nine months. Yeah, what exactly. The fuck. So, yeah. yeah. So Tom Brady hangs up because he doesn't like the questions. The more that Tom Brady gets huffy about this, doesn't it raise everyone's suspicions? a little more don't you think don't aren't you already predisposed to think that his trainer is kind of a scumbag didn't you know oh he's a quack i've said this multiple times he's quacky quackerson he is a guy who once appeared in late night infomercials proclaiming to be a doctor he's not and peddling a green vegetable juice that they claimed cured cancer that to me is the fucking essence of evil right there and that's what this guy guerrero once did but hey some say oh you got to make a buck right not off the hopes of people no. dying of cancer, if you ask me. How loyal is he? Will he uh, be in contempt of court like Barry Bonds' buddy Greg Anderson? I don't know. Do you think he'll uh, if it think ever he'll, comes up? Think he'll flip like Michael Cohen did? Yeah, Trump. <laughs> the flippers, all the flipping. Did you see the tweet by Trump after he flipped? He's like, <laughs> I, for anyone who's wondering, I would highly not <laughs> recommend like retaining the services of Michael. Cohen. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that might be his oh, best tweet of all that time. That was
1: incredible. Yeah, so Alex Guerrero is. Uh, all right, so he's as shady. We're predisposed to think that he's shady. And you're right. When Brady is evasive about him, it makes it look worse. It, it does. You, it, it totally gets your, your, your spidey sense tingling that there's something there and that they're, they're game in the system. Now, I, I don't know if you have this on your little Rolodex of things to talk about today, but the, the excerpt from SI regarding
0: yeah. one Ryan Braun in our market. I have not and the Tony Bosch not, thing, the baseball cop book excerpt. Okay, I have not read that, but I will have to do so. Give me the uh, quick one oh one primer on it. Well Tony Bosch basically said he talked about how he was twenty four seven with some of these
1: guys, including Tony A-Rod, Bosch and Tony Bosch is the guy from the biogenesis lab, the the
0: Is he the guy, piss collector? No. no, he's the guy. Oh, who, yeah, right. Tony Bosch was the guy he, cooking up the gummies and the trokes. Yeah, he was the guy that who, had the good stuff it. in it. Yep, yeah. Yep, okay. Yep. All right. He,
1: he basically said what we've always said is that you have to be an idiot to get caught because he was basically foolproof telling people what to do. He was giving what to do, when to do it, when yeah, to take he was, it. He was. They had. They called them gummies. The kind of the little, you know, yeah. the little. They're lozenges, but they called them gummies. I, I also and, heard them called yes, trokes, and I never heard them called that. That's true too. Before. Yeah, and then. He said that if you took one in the second or third inning, it would be out of your system by the ninth. And the only way they could catch you is if they tested you during the game. Really? Because he had these guys so tweaked
0: in their levels that that's what it was. And Now, then, did they work? Like, how could a steroid work so effectively that it's in and out of your system that quick? Because
1: they establish, uh, they, they get you to a baseline of your, I don't know, your PhD, and it's really scientific. Okay. And then it's almost like a little booster shot. Got it. That like activates it, and then you go back to normal. And he was telling guys like, "You take this in the third inning." Did the the benefits? He said the the only way you could get caught is if if, if they came and collected your piss during a game. Got
0: it. You would not test afterwards. Did the benefits of the gummy or the troke only work when you are in the game, and then did the effects tail off? Yeah, apparently that's. It was like the spike was temporary. Really? So if like you made
1: took you it, feel that's how I it was. Yes. And made you feel better and more energetic during the game. Yeah. And then um, apparently what happened with Braun was he took a bunch of them.
0: Like <laughs> just sucking on them. Like, 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 like Halls uh, mentholiptus all how many day, every take? day.
1: Well, I took, you know, two or three or four. I took the whole thing. Yeah, Well, that's like, how we ball players a,
0: think. He, they dozens. go. They yeah. go. If you recommend two, then nine must be even better. Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly, and that's how he spiked it. Wow. Which is, you know, that's you more know information than we've had on that situation. That's good. I'm going to read that now. It makes me to think. Where, where, where can I get some of this shit? Well, exactly. Like, like why can't we get stuff. cut up? I want to lose yeah. 15 pounds and look, you know, good at the beach. Right. They what don't. The they don't test us in radio for this stuff. No. Let me <laughs> suck on these things all day long. If diet that's Mountain delicious. Dew is an, a performance enhancer, I'd be fucking brilliant. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I got a Mike Francesa bite. I think you might enjoy. Oh, always you know, his, good for
1: the Godfather.
0: You know his app is out. Nine dollar, ten bucks a month <laughs> oh, man. For, for Mike Francesa's app, and I guess he's got his home studio up and running now as well. Uh, this was uh, from uh, the the guy who runs Funhouse at Back After This, which is like the official chronicler of the Mike Francesa show. And this guy that runs Funhouse. I think he both likes Mike and respects him as a legend, but also can't believe some of the dumb shit he says and does on a regular basis. Yeah, he is a. Do you follow Funhouse? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So here was Francesa working through Jacob Degrom's starts and telling us how many home, how many earned runs he has given up in each of them. Mind you, everybody knows Drew Jacob Degrom is silly. Jacob DeGrom has a very low earned run average, right? Yes. Do you need somebody to walk through every game number by number for his whole career? Absolutely not. Well, Mike Francesa thought that DeGrom he
2: pitches six innings today, gives up four hits, two runs, one earned, four walks, 10 strikeouts, 108 pitches, 71 strikes, and is 8-8 eight eight on the season, having uh, basically allowed you know no runs all year. <laughs> He's 8-8. Eight I mean the guy, the guy uh, this year, the Grom on the season, just to show you how crazy it is. This is earned runs this year.
0: By the way, this one this cannot be just this year alone because listen to the numbers; it's way too many. Even being eight and eight, that's sixteen starts plus a number of starts where he didn't get a decision. Yeah. How many starts does a Ace pitcher getting in the year? Thir- between 30 and 35. Okay.
2: one one 4 3 0 one 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 four three zero 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 one zero one two one two one one three three one oh zero two three two zero two zero. One still going.
0: I I lost count. I'm I'm trying to do this on my fingers right now. I think we're past forty right now. Yeah, he's back into. He's into the whole every game. He's in his game log of his career. I always joke about my own. Sometimes I'll make fun of myself when I like. You know, first day of the Masters, right? And I always like to look at you know who did well, who didn't do well, and we would we would kind of mock ourselves. By by blurting out the reading of the scores, <laughs> you know, like oh Jason Day at a seventy-seven, you know, uh, Rory McIlroy at a seventy-two. We realize it's just stupid radio to read a score, right? Yes, he's reading earned runs one after another after another. We're not done yet, by
2: the way. Mm-hmm. Four, three, zero, 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 zero. One zero one two one two one one three three one zero two three two zero two zero
0: And there wow. it is fantastic wow. stuff put that on the best of Mike Francesa reel right there. I pay nine ninety nine a month for that. <laughs> Sizzling scintillating radio a guy who was making six million quit and came crawling back for half. When you have, and what does he do, five hours, five and a half hours a day or something I think like it's that? less than that. Is it? Oh, I thought it was always. It's no you know. more than five. It's no less than four. Wow. Well, that's too damn long. Sorry, no less than three. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a that's lot. a lot. And I know you got to fill it, but by just reading numbers? Yeah. And the
1: know. the people who are obsessed about DeGrom's eight and eight and look how great he's pitched. Like, why don't you just get over the hurdle that wins me nothing <laughs> for pitchers anymore? It's like not a number you can look
0: at. All right, I got a question for you on this story. Is this a boss move or is this a bitch move? The manager of uh, Manchester United, Jose Mourinho, walked out of his presser because they had just gotten drilled three nothing uh, to Tottenham on Tottenham. Monday. Tottenham, my Spurs. Yeah, yes. your Spurs. Uh, this was uh, uh, Jose Mourinho pointing out uh, the fact that he's a boss and he has won three. Premierships. Tell me if this is boss or weak.
2: Okay. Now, just to finish, do you know that what was the result? Three nil. Three nil. Three. Do you know what this means? Three fingers
0: he's holding up. Three nil, but also mean three premierships, and I won more premierships alone than the other nineteen managers together.
2: Three
0: for me and two for them. Respect. respect, respect,
2: respect, respect, respect.
0: And then he just walks out right there. That's a drop the mic. Respect. How many times can a manager or a coach go to the well with, check my rings? That's a Patrick Waugh. Can't hear you. I got my Stanley Cup rings in my ears. That's a, Yeah, Patrick Waugh said that. <laughs> Phil Jackson proudly wore his stupid 10 rings hat. Around yes. like it was no big deal. Yes. LeBron James once wore an LBJ I, MVP t shirt. I think that's a boss move, but it's got the
1: short shelf life. You can only pull it out of the holster once. I think so, yeah. It's probably. I think you can do it once and it's boss,
0: and t- anything else is like, that's it. Now yeah. you got to start singing for your supper. I guess 3 nothing. Uh, Three nothing loss to Tottenham. I don't know if Tottenham's any good. They are. That's oh, my team.
1: Zabe, on my show, I, we adopted teams so we would have did. interest in following the Premier League. And, yeah. do, you,
0: and do you follow Tottenham?
1: Yes, that's Name my team. Name three players. That is Michael. Well, Harry Kane's all you need to know, man. All right, two more. He's the best. Two more. It's all you need. Two. You're not following <laughs> yeah. them. Yes, you're I am. You're not a hotspur. You're just a hotspur a, wannabe, is what you are. Yeah. Well, we're Premier League. We're P- Premier League noobs. We picked the teams, okay. and nobody took Man City because they're the favorite. Of course. So we have like five guys that are, and we, there's sweet action on it, Zabe. We got trash talking going on. Dude, and I got, don't. You know.
0: I'm not anti Premier League. I'll watch it on a Saturday morning on NBC. I, I I as well, and that that's
1: why we, uh, but we just we each drafted a team, and you know you get listeners behind you and stuff. And okay, I beat uh, intern Josh's Manchester United three nothing. So that was a you know a get Well, he might have to take a shower of shame. Oh, what's that? <laughs> in warm paps. To, I don't know. We we're we're gonna finish out. Whoever finishes last in our thing is gonna have to do some kind of ridiculous punishment.
0: A shower of shame. That's a uh, Dan Patrick bit, I think. Okay. Uh, real quick, uh, will the Packers play anybody in the fourth and meaningless preseason game on Thursday night? Hell no. Okay. I mean, the guys that are you know trying to be the 53rd guy, they got to
1: decide who their back-end wide receivers are, but
0: for it's the not most just, part, it's not. It's not even ones and twos. It's threes and fours who will be playing. Oh, the fourth quarter of those games is guys who will be selling insurance in two weeks. Is there a way to improve or fix or mitigate the awfulness of the fourth preseason game?
1: Yeah, um, not have it and only have two.
0: I've said this before. My plan, have two but then preseason games. All right, but then wouldn't only one half of one game be worth watching? Uh, You'd just be compressing the amount of don't give a shit that goes into the preseason. Well, Sean McVay didn't play anybody this August and said so. Like, I'm not getting my starters hurt. Yeah, and I wonder, is, is there enough analytics on that? Do, do we know? No. No, is there because a who, correlation. So
1: reveal hold that on Jim a sec. Uh,
0: hold on a second. Jim Bean Shut Black. Up. Shut up, you. That was auto- Mila Kunis. It is Mila Kunis. She's hot. Who doesn't love Mila Kunis? Especially talking about bourbon. Hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah, I don't think there's any analytics because very few coaches have gone the bold approach, which I've advocated of. Don't play anybody in August. Be a little bit rusty for the first half of the first game, or be rusty for the entire first game, and still have all your players healthy to start the long yeah. slog to February and the exactly. Super Bowl. And it's funny because if, if you
1: shorten the preseason to two games, which is all they really need, and then a lot of people say that, well, we have to put the revenue back and it's going to have to be an 18-game regular season. The players are never going to go for that.
0: Yeah. And, and talk of that has pretty much died it's down dead. to nothing. It's dead. Although Jerry Jones did kind of bring it up the other day. I, but, I don't think the, the league can do it with all these moves to uh, limit concussions and injuries. And then on the other hand, go up, oh, guess what? We're adding two more. Full contact games. I'm going with the two preseason games with quarterbacks in red
1: jerseys and not hittable. Even backups. Well, then. Don't hit them.
0: Then guess what? They'll make the regular season where you can't hit the quarterback.
1: Well, that may come if it works. (laughs) Because it's the the whole position. It's everything.
0: And you would be okay with that?
1: Uh, Not hitting the quarterback in the preseason. Not in the regular regular season, season. But in the
0: preseason, I would go for it. If they get rid of kickoffs, Drew, they will be emboldened to get rid of tackling the quarterback. Well, quarterbacks are the whole industry. I can't believe you're so nonchalant about this. No, Come it'll on, never man. happen. I don't oh, never really? Happen. But my, really? my idea. Did you ever think we'd live in an age in which there's no kickoffs in football or that you can't get a no. plastic straw in some cities? These uh, things happen incrementally, bit by bit, they Drew. They
1: do. They do. That's true. Um, <laughs> don't I, say it'll never hey,
0: happen. It'll eventually happen if we don't stop it. You and
1: I went 15 rounds because I thought the freaking point after was a waste of goddamn time,
0: and I'm glad they changed it and moved it back, and it's still not radical enough. <laughs> you, you want it more radical? They already well, miss a ton of these things now. It pisses me off. I, Touchdowns are seven. That's the the NFL that I grew up on. They don't miss enough of them. All right. <laughs> well, then make them 50-yarders. We'll <laughs> that more. that be, at least add some intrigue. Here we go. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. fuck that guy.
2: Fuck that guy.
1: I hesitate to do this one, Zabe. you going to make I, me the fuck that guy? I know how hard it is. I should because of your stances on the uh, my quarterback idea. Okay. Red jersey during the preseason. What would that hurt? Right. make it more fun. But, okay. uh, no, I, I, I hate to criticize other broadcasters' work because I suck, but... Uh, Carl Ravich, who I like and I respect, doesn't do a lot of play-by-play, did the Little League World Series.
0: All right, here's and, the final call. I'm going to pause. Here's the uh, call
1: of, that his, guy. of the last out when Hawaii won the Little League World Series. <laughs>
0: It's not so much. By the way, it, uh, what what is the problem here? No not, Kauai? Hawaii? Is that H- not Hawaii the city? Hawaii is the best. That's, that was it. Lots of kids hugging. Now he lays out. That's great. Lots, lots of kids on the losing team trying. <laughs> I
1: just, so I just what? got you, the sense that that was a bit scripted and that, you know, it wasn't in the moment but hawaii it's just like hawaii is the best like hey the eagles <laughs> won the super bowl the eagles are the best like it's just not the it's not a, a signature memorable call i okay. mean I, I, and he was okay he's, he, he used the the language in the lexicon but it was just it was flat for me okay. that call of that moment all right well then go ahead
0: and fix the call um i'm just gonna say fuck that guy. no come on <laughs> Hawaii, uh, Okamea, Maika, Aloha. Kalike, Maka. Hawaii, Hawaii <laughs> Okamea, Maika, Aloha. That's what, according to Google Translate, Hawaii is the best turns into. Yeah. Okamea, Maika, Aloa. Uh, why not just, uh, they've traveled the, for the 50th state is first in Little League World
1: Series. I don't know what the hell to say, but it's just like, Hawaii is the best. All right
0: nova fu- is the best. My fuck that the Eagles guy. Eagles are the best. My fuck that guy goes to one Greg Williams of the Cleveland Browns defensive coordinator. The extra G on Greg is for genius. Just ask him about it. He was ripping one of his own players for a back injury incurred during a tackle, saying it's because his guy makes quote stupid tackles. Hugh Jackson, the head coach, is now says he doesn't appreciate Greg saying things to reporters and calling his own players stupid. Well, you put him on your staff, Hugh, you should know what you're getting. Greg Greg Williams, fuck that guy. There you go. Oh. And by extension, fuck Hugh Jackson. Uh yeah, poor Hugh. He's so getting fired at the end of this year. Nobody thinks the Browns are going to be good God. this year, do they? They've become kind of like the Cubs. They're
1: they've become yes! the lovable
0: losers. They've taken on that shine of lovable loser. Is uh, Baker Mayfield starting week one, yes or no? He should be. Will he? No. Okay. Uh, Because they're the Browns. They are the Browns. They'll they'll start with... Tyrod, they'll lose two and a half games next thing you know here's here's baker baker just has to start by week three in that color rush game on thursday night against the jets because we need sam darnold versus baker mayfield and then we'll all watch that game jets browns giddy up yeah that's the future all right drew uh you can be reached at drew Olson mke and that's o-l-s-o-n yes and listen to drew on the big 920 in milwaukee and also on the iheart radio app that would be swell all right buddy, we'll talk to you next week. Good to have you back stateside, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll end with this today. Ted Leonsis, owner of the Washington Capitals, the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. I do love the ring of that. As well as the Washington the Washington Wizards and the Washington Mystics and at least two teams in the Arena Football League. Oh, and the Champion DC Valor. There you go. Another championship. Uh, Ted Leonsis is going to give Stanley Cup championship rings to approximately all 500 or so full-time employees of his monumental sports and entertainment company. That's the umbrella company that you know houses all of the different teams as well as the uh, television arm and the digital arm and everything else. That's a wonderful thing. That is absolutely nice. And good for the people that work for Ted. The rings will be different than the actual player rings. They'll be presumably less lavish. And I'm not sure how the taxation goes when it comes to paying for those rings, because if they're of any value, like 2000 dollars, then you know you got to pay taxes on that. Now some people might say, Ah, you know what? What am I going to do with a ring? This is something that most professional sports teams do. I remember uh, my friend Curtis. Uh, once worked for the United Center in Chicago, and when the Bulls won multiple championships, he got multiple championship rings from Jerry Reinsdorf and the organization. He sold sweets in the building, and I would go to his house, and uh, we would, you know, he'd show me the rings, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's kind of cool," and I'd hold them and whatever, and I'd be like, well, "What do you do with these things?" He's like, uh, "Nothing," <laughs> because he was Curtis. In sweet sales, he was not an actual player. And he is, of course, terrified to actually put the ring on and wear it out when he's in downtown Chicago, lest some hooplehead see him and go, oh, sweet, a championship ring for the Bulls. Let me go ahead and rob him at gunpoint. But, you know, these, and I think the, uh, the Cubs didn't have the Cubs have a thing where Uh, They told their employees, look, if you sell these things, if one of these fucking rings go on the market and we find out it's you, Uh, it was something like, uh, oh, and I think what it was, that they they declared the value of the rings at like a dollar so they wouldn't have to pay taxes on them or something of that nature. But then they were, oh, that's what it was. The Cubs employees were prohibited from selling the rings. And at first you go, well, that's kind of cheap. I mean, these you know these employees who worked hard, they may not want a ring that's going to sit in a box like my friend Curtis, and they want to resell it and make a little bling, you know, so people can get a nice sort of replica of sorts. But then they said, well, the reason that they make them sign the agreement, which is you can't resell it, is that it reduces the value of the ring basically down to nothing, and then for tax purposes, you're off the hook. Either way, I'm just glad that Bob and Accounting Finally, has his ring. What is Bob in accounting going to do with his Stanley Cup championship ring? Will he wear it around the house, maybe, and just like look at it? Will he wear it watching games? I guess you could, right? Uh, nothing wrong with it. It just seems to me that if I had the choice between even a modest ring of like a thousand dollars or cash, I'd say give me the cash. Give me the cash, and I'll buy a replica jersey, and I've got the memories of the Stanley Cup run, and I, I don't need a ring. Plus, I'm in accounting. What the fuck did I have to do with them winning a ring? I was just, you know, adding up the numbers on one side of the sheet and the other. Good for Teddy Pixels. Nice gesture. 500 plus replica rings. That'll do it for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Hit up the Reddit thread about how great this thing is. is leave a positive review and rating. That helps as well. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets. And always remember, 5 o'clock is quitting time, but... Four o'clock is, eh, I'll do it tomorrow time. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.